I'll return yes. in robes of white. The blazing sun shall pierce the night, and he will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. Oh, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. For endless days we will sing your praise. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord our God. Oh, praise Jesus, what a glorious name. Just want to speak the name of Jesus. 
every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. starts to break to carry there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is Every stronghold 
Yeshua, hallelujah, Yeshua, oh Yeshua, oh Yeshua, hallelujah, Yeshua, oh Yeshua, 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 come on, let him know today, Yeshua, let the devil know, that God's got the victory. Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeah. Yeshua. Oh, Yeshua. Yeshua. Hallelujah. Yeshua. Yeshua. Oh, Yeshua. Come on, come on, let's just shout. Yes, shout. Shout, 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 praise, shout, dance, jump, run, praise, ho! Come on, let's sing it, Yeshua. Hallelujah. 
Give him glory, church. Give him praise. Hallelujah. This morning during my prayer time, I just heard and saw the numbers 3311, 3311, 3311. I said, Lord, where's that? He said, Jeremiah 3311. So I'm going to read this verse out of Jeremiah 3311. It says, everybody stand up for the, for, the, for the reading of the word of the Lord. The voice of joy. Say with me, joy. joy. And the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the captives of the land to return as at the first, says the Lord. For the Lord says, I am issuing a decree from heaven to those who have been captive to their past, captive to depression, captive to an old way, captive in the wilderness of affliction. The Lord says, I am issuing a decree to return and come forth out of your captivity, says the Lord. For in the wilderness I have married you, I have called you and caused you to become my bride, even in the wilderness, says the Lord. So now come out of your captivity, come out of your wilderness, says the Lord, for I will issue you and I will usher you out of the wilderness under my arm as you come out as my beloved says the Lord for the Lord says you have learned even in the night season even in the time of weeping you have known of my goodness you have known of my mercy now it is time to wipe, wipe away the tears of grief time to wipe away the tears of regret says the Lord for the Lord says out of my presence you will receive my joy and the strength to cross over. For I'm calling you to cross over out of your wilderness season and into my land of promise, into my land of plenty, says the Lord. For enough is enough. The time of grieving is over. The time of loss is over. For I've called you to enter into your promised land with a high hand. So lift up your sword and arise for battle. For I am assembling an army in this time and season. Now go forth in this might of yours, O man of God, O woman of God, for you shall conquer and you shall take the head of the giant in the promised land and you shall receive of my milk and of my honey, for I am good and my mercy endures forever, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Shout unto God. Hallelujah. 
Is there anybody here that's 33? 33 years old. Come on up. And not been 33 years born again. <laughs> but 33. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. For the Lord says, I brought you out of a wilderness season. But the Lord says, I betrothed you to me. The Lord says, I am your bridegroom and I am your prize, says the Lord. For the Lord says, as you look into my eyes, the Lord says, you shall be my treasure and I shall be your treasure, says the Lord. For the Lord says, in my betrothing of you, the Lord says, there has been a marrying and a love that has been birthed in a place of adversity. For the Lord says, I brought you through a crucible of affliction. For the Lord says, other lovers cannot love like I can love you, says the Lord. For the Lord says, there is a marrying and there is a betrothing in the spirit that I am doing, even as I bring you out of the wilderness season. For the Lord says, I'm applying eyesab to your eyes, and even as you have asked me for wisdom and discernment, the Lord says, I'm giving you the gift of discerning of spirits that you would know that which is genuine and that which is counterfeit. For the Lord says, you've experienced the counterfeit, but the Lord says, now is time for the genuine. Now is the time for the real deal, says the Lord. For the Lord says, because you've cast away and cast down every other idol, every other lover in your life, the Lord says, you have become the apple of my eye for my eyes have run to and fro throughout the earth to show myself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards me for the Lord says I perfected your heart even in the wilderness says the Lord and the Lord says now is a time of a wiping away of tears now is a time of looking and pressing toward the mark for the Lord says I've engraved on the tablets of your heart my high calling for the Lord says you've asked for your scroll and heaven and it you shall have says the Lord for I will not speak in dark sayings but I will speak plainly to you says the Lord but let it not be from the words of men but let it be as it were the whispers of my spirit says the Lord for I'm tuning your ears to the frequency of heaven and of my spirit says the Lord that you would hear genuine spoken words that are as real as any man could speak says the Lord but as you tune your yourself in with me, the Lord says, I will reveal not only the secrets of your heart, but the secrets of my heart, says the Lord. For the Lord says, as you esteem me as your treasure, the Lord says, I will take you on a journey, even a treasure hunt, says the Lord, and you will find the riches of my grace and the riches of my glory in the days ahead. So lift up your hands towards you. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. Lift up your hands towards me, says the Lord. 
For in a place of abandonment, the Lord says, I have delivered you. Out of a place of despair, I have been as it were your rock, says the Lord. So look to no other man, but look to me. And I will set your feet as it were, and I will cause your eyes to look as flint towards the mark for the prize that I'm setting for you even this day, says the Lord. For the whispers of my spirit shall ring true, and they shall ring liberty to you, says the Lord. For you shall not be bound by the hands and the words of men, but the Lord says you will be as it were my bondservant to do my work and my bidding, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. He's given me another passage of Scripture this morning in a place of prayer out of Isaiah 61 and verse 7. It says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Is there anybody here this morning that you are 61 years old or you were born in 1961? I did a little bit of math, and if you're 61, you were probably born in 61. So is there anybody like that here? That's you. Anybody else? No, this is, a, this is a good word. This is a good word. Anybody else? 61, 1961. You too. Come on up. Praise God. All right, this word is for both of you. This is the word of the Lord, Isaiah 61, 7 again. The Lord says, instead of shame, you shall receive double honor. Instead of confusion, you shall rejoice in the portion that I've given unto you. The Lord says, you shall possess double in this next season. Everlasting joy shall be yours. For the Lord says, though men have disappointed and men have forsaken, the Lord says, I am a man that shall not, not as a man that I should lie. For the Lord says, my promises are yes and amen to those that will embrace them. And the Lord says, because you've taken the horns of the altar, the Lord says, I've seen your tears and I've heard your prayers. And the Lord says, my bottle is filled with your tears. And the Lord says, there is a tipping point and that time is now. For the Lord says, I'm pouring out upon you an abundance of rain. And the Lord says, the dryness of the season of the wilderness is coming to an end, and I will bring you into a place of abundance. I will bring you into a place of covenant with me, says the Lord. It says, in that place of covenant, I will answer your prayers that have been prayed for years, says the Lord. And I will cause, as it were, the season of silence to come to an end. The Lord says, you will hear my voice in this season. And the Lord said, because you've humbled yourself before me, the Lord says, great grace shall be your lot. Great favor shall be your lot. And yes, great glory. For the Lord says, you have looked for the abundance of heaven and have not found it in the wilderness season, but rejoice, for joy shall be your lot as you receive of my grace and my glory in this season of plenty, says Hallelujah. Give him praise. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody here, you've got some sort of fibrous cyst or fibrous tumor? 
something like that. Fibrous cyst or tumor, anybody like that? That's you. Okay. God does that a lot. He'll, he'll, he'll pinpoint somebody. Hallelujah. Everybody stand. Why are you sitting down? Come on. If I've got to stand, you've got to stand. Amen. Except during the preaching. Amen. Do you have, you have something like that? Okay. Praise God. All right, if you could come a little bit closer. Hallelujah. So pray, pray with me, church. Come on. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, right now, this fibrous cyst or this fibrous tumor in the name of Jesus. Father, we rebuke it. We judge it as illegal. We command it to go now, right now, in the name of Jesus. We command it to dissolve. We command it to disappear under the anointing. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke of every cyst and every tumor in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your healing grace, power, and anointing. Let it flow through their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Let's go into a song right now. Let's go into a song. Come on. How many having fun yet? Come on. We're here to have fun in the Lord. Amen. The Super Bowl's got nothing on Jesus. Not so much. Not so much. I could take it or leave it. But I ain't leaving Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's go into a song, guys. Come on.
Hallelujah. Amen. Does anybody have are suffering from adrenal fatigue or you've got adrenal gland problem? Or I also see a thyroid issue, a thyroid problem. Anybody like that this morning? Which, which, one of, which one was, is that? Thi thyroid, okay, okay. Anybody else, thyroid? Thyroid. I, I, there's a pattern, God does that sometimes. Praise God. All right, I need some ministry team help. Dr. Francis, Agnes, and a couple other team members. I'm gonna pray for Colette though, because God's got your number today, you know that? But I need my, our ministry team to help. Praise God. Now keep praying. Come on, church. Come on. Come on. Let's take it up. Take it up. Take it up. Come on. Take it up. Maybe love is the most beautiful among
Come on, sing it. So Hallelujah. Give him praise, church. Give him glory. Hallelujah. Shout out to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Amen. Worship team, awesome job today. Give him a hand. We got a quick word of testimony. Who wants to hear a word of testimony? We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. Well, this is a word for the church as well. Um, the Lord uh, has been working with me and my husband for the last couple of years, and the church has been so good to us, lifting us up as Moses and Aaron. As you stay branched to the church, you reap the rewards of the church. This is what the Lord said to me yesterday. There's rapid fire coming to the body of Christ. Just as the rapid fires of the enemy of arrows has attacked you, there's rapid fires of blessings coming to you. And uh, my family, my father's side especially, has a line of cancer. And uh, we have seven family members that have died of cancer. They all serve masonry. So you know what happens when you live under the curse. You, you stay under that curse unless you ask the Lord to redeem you. Well, they refuse to re be redeemed, so, you know, the consequences is cancer on their side. Well, the cancer started come moving over to my mother's side. Now, my mother's bloodline is redeemed. She's the first generation to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. So, under that bloodline, uh, cancer relevated to my sister, who was a pastor, and her husband was a pastor in Connecticut. They passed away with cancer, both of them one month apart. After that, my father passed away from cancer, but he got saved two weeks before. My husband brought him to the Lord. The line of that cancer started 
to trickle down. And two prophets told me years ago, it will never come to your bloodline. It would never come to your bloodline. Well, this week, this week I had symptoms that renovate cancer symptoms. Gwen tested. I called the church. I text the pastors. I text everybody that I knew, my generals, people that intercede that I know how to pray. The test results came back benign. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. What a testimony. I like those kind of testimonies. Amen. We're going to get right into the Word this morning. The title of this message this morning is Dream Again, Recover the Blueprint, Remove the Barriers. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the next few moments that you would anoint my tongue, that it would be, as it were, the pen of a ready writer to speak a word in season. Lord, that would bring revelation, rejuvenation, restoration to your people, God. Lord, thank you, Lord, for articulation and ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. So this particular message this morning is birthed out of prophetic word that was delivered last Sunday morning. Many of you know that we had just completed our seventh anniversary. We're moving into the eighth year and the Lord had given me a prophetic word on your way in. You may have received a copy of it. We can make more copies uh, of that prophetic word. It's just one page. Um, but this is the context of this uh, message this morning. And so I'm just going to briefly go over what that prophecy is and what it means to this church. So we completed a seven-year season. And uh, we're moving into a new seventh year. And that this is the beginning, this is the eighth year. So this prophecy spoke about, uh, well, it was first based on Genesis chapter 41, verse 29. You remember the story about Joseph and Pharaoh. He went and interpreted uh, Pharaoh's dream, and it spoke of seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Let's just pick it up, Genesis 41, verse 29. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will deplete the land, so the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following, for it will be very severe. So the Lord began to show me, this is a prophetic word for Prepare the Way International Church. I just want to make that clear. This is a prophetic word for this church. So if you're a member of this church or you're aligned with this church, this is what God is saying to this church uh, in this hour. The Lord says, I'm doing a reversal of what happened in Joseph. The Lord says, you've been through seven years of famine. Now I'm bringing you into seven years of plenty. And the years of famine you will not remember because the years of plenty will be of great abundance. This is what the Lord said. The beginning of the prophecy says, I have brought this church through seven years of famine. Now I'm bringing you forth into seven years of plenty. I'm just going to summarize what the prophetic word said. It said that God had tested us in the furnace of affliction and that we have embraced the sword of the Spirit and received the circumcision of our hearts. The Lord has cleansed us, purged us as gold, 
and prepared us for a season of plenty, victory, and of coming out. So you can read the rest of the prophecy at home, but in the context of this scripture that God is bringing us out of the wilderness and into a land of promise, we want to be prepared for this next seven years. So God is giving us explicit instructions on what to do when you change seasons. How many know that every time you change seasons, you have to change ways? How many of you realize that? When you're in a wilderness season, it's a different set of rules than when you're in a season of plenty. So we've got to do some mind shifting to be able to prosper, not only to leave uh, the wilderness, but cross over into this place of promise. How many of you realize that? Now, when Beverly Watkins was here, she had given us a prophetic word about where this church is going in the eighth year. And out of Luke chapter 2 and verse 21... This is the uh, circumcision of Christ and the naming of Christ. Luke 2, verse 21, and it says, And when eight days, how many days, church? Eight. eight days. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name, say with me, name, was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So for the first seven days, Jesus was not named, but on the eighth day, his name was made known to the public. This is the prophetic word of the Lord. God has hidden this church for seven years. We've had people come to this church and say, you're the best kept secret in Arizona. But now is the eighth year, is the naming of the baby. The Lord says he's bringing us out, he's called us out, and he's calling us up. Amen. And so there is a naming of this church that God is going to make this church name known for his namesake. Amen? For his namesake. So this new season of plenty for Prepare the Way begins with our eighth year and is accompanied by a heart circumcision. Say with me, circumcision. And the church being named or being made known publicly. In other words, a season of wilderness famine in preparation and obscurity will be superseded by a season of conquest, of victory, and of plenty. We shall raise our sword. This is what the prophecy said. We shall raise our sword to execute judgment on the enemies of his glory. We shall receive the joy of his strength from his presence, and we will soar with eagle's wings. The Lord shall cause us to arise, to shine, and to conquer as he exalts us in this new season so that all men would be drawn to him. Through all of this, he will continually remind us of his commission to us to prepare the way and then get out of the way. Amen. So we got to remember that God brought us through this wilderness season to lift up his name, not our name. Amen. Does that make sense? So even though our name will be known, we need to make his name known. Just like the ministry of John the Baptist was characterized by this statement. He must increase. I must decrease. So the more God does with us, the lower we got to go. Amen. The lower we need to go, the more we need to humble ourselves and stay humble. Amen. Because he's not going to share his glory with another. The Bible talks about that. Amen. All right. However, if we fail to understand and embrace God's purposes 
For our wilderness season of famine, we will be unable to cross over into our wonderland season of plenty. What is he, the, the Lord saying here? He's saying that if we still have a wilderness mentality, if we're still walking in the ways of the wilderness, we will not be able to transition from a wilderness wilderness wanderings into a season of promise. Does that make sense? That means we got to change our thinking because we're moving into a new season. Amen? We must remove any barriers or misconceptions in our mind regarding God's purposes in the wilderness. So we're going to address some of those this morning. Amen? So what are God's purposes for our wilderness seasons? We need to understand that so we can come out of that and move into this season of plenty. Amen? All right. So God's purposes in your wilderness season. Number one, to prepare you, not punish you. Amen? So the wilderness is a place of divine preparation, not divine punishment. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor, say with me honor, and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what is he talking about here? Anything that's dishonorable or iniquitous, or a shame or a reproach to Christ, if we allow the Lord to purge us or cleanse us of all those things that would defame His name, we will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared. Say with me, prepared. Prepared for every good work. So this is one of the goals of the wilderness is to prepare you, to equip you for greater glory. Amen? To equip you and prepare you to be a conqueror. To equip you and prepare you to reign in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are in the wilderness because he is schooling us so that we can rule. He's training us for reigning. Amen? Say with me, school to rule, train to reign. Amen. He's brought you through this wilderness season so that you will be prepared to be that vessel of honor. You see, in the wilderness, the Lord transforms us from common vessels of wood and clay into precious vessels of gold and silver prepared for his honorable kingdom works. But a lot of times in the wilderness, we go, where are you, God? What is going on? This is very strange. Are you there? Are you really a good God? Now, that scripture that we had read earlier um, out of uh, Jeremiah 33, 11, says that those that come out of captivity, what are they declaring? That he is good and his mercy endures forever. So we got to know that we serve a good God, amen? That he is for you and not against you. If God be for you, who can be against you? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? How many things, church? All, all things. All in the Spanish, Hebrew, Greek, German, and French. All means what, church? All. Hallelujah. Amen. So a lot of times we say, Lord, this is strange. What is going on? But 1 Peter chapter 4 addresses that. 
1 Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not think it strange, say with me, strange, concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though something strange is happening to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. You see, the fiery trials of the wilderness are not God's punishment, but instead God's perfecting process of preparation in us for his greater glory. All right. So, purposes of God's wilderness season, number one, to prepare you, not punish you. Number two, to humble you, not humiliate you. All right? Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. And you shall remember the Lord your God, who led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Say with me, humble you. All right, so one of the primary purposes of the wilderness is for God to humble us. Humility is a virtue that God wants all believers to possess, while humiliation is a tool of the devil that disenchants, disengages, and disqualifies God's children. The humble abide with, surrender to, and obey God. The humble esteem and serve others before themselves and maintain a modest opinion of their own importance, gifting, and influence. Why is humility so important? Why is humility such an important product or outcome from our wilderness wanderings? The reason why is because humility is the choicest of divine fruit, sourced by the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is Jesus' treasure and his delight. There was a good book called Humility, written by Andrew Murray. When I first got spirit-filled in 1986, the Lord told me that I needed to read that book and carry it with me. And I used to have a briefcase in those days. I still got some, something like that, but... This shows my age. But I would carry that book and read that book all the time. The Lord says, you're going to need that. And so, amen. And little did I realize, I really do need that. Amen. Praise God. So humility not only produces riches, honor, and life, but also characterizes those of childlike faith who are considered the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Jesus said that those who humble themselves as little children, that they are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. On the other hand, humiliation is the embarrassment one feels when one falls short of a set standard. Humiliation involves shaming someone into losing their self-respect, dignity, and self-worth. And how many know that God has no part in that? Amen. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, Jesus said, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. How many of you know that God wants to humble us so, we, so he can exalt us, so he can promote us, amen? So he desires us to be humble, 
in the wilderness, but he doesn't desire to humiliate us. All right. So purposes of God's wilderness season, to prepare you, not punish you, to humble you, not humiliate you, to test you, not to tempt you. Deuteronomy 8.2. And you shall remember the Lord your God who led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Say it with me, test you. Now, in uh, the book of Matthew, we see that there was... Uh, a baptism that Jesus had to incur. Remember, he came to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, I should be, be baptized uh, by you. But Jesus said, no, to fulfill all righteousness, you need to baptize me. And when he was baptized in water, we know that the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. So in that instance, he was not only water baptized, but he was also spirit baptized. But how many of you know that even in that state of spirit baptism, that he could perform no miracles, no signs, and no wonders? Why? Because he hasn't been through the third baptism. How many know there's water baptism, spirit baptism, and it's what we call fire baptism? And then as we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. By who? By who? The Spirit. Where? into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. To be what? Tempted by the devil. Now, if you look at this passage of Scripture, you would, might make the assumption that the Father was in cahoots with the devil here. Amen? Because it said he was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Amen? You thought they may be collaborating together, but how many of you realize that it is the furthest thing from the truth? While Satan's intention was to destroy Jesus in the wilderness, the Father had a plan for Jesus' 40 days of trial in the wilderness. What was the Father's plan? Promotion. You see, God tests us so that he can promote us, whereas Satan tempts us that he may destroy us. Amen? Just like in the natural, before you can get your 12th grade diploma, you've got to pass certain tests. Amen? God wants to promote you, but he's got to prepare you, and he wants to test you. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God will never tempt you, but he will test you. Amen? And so Jesus endured Satan's temptation and received out of that wilderness not only authority, but also something else. Let's find out what that something else is. Luke chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Now listen now. Then Jesus returned in the power, say with me, the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. 
Why did news went out surrounding him? Because there were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles, there was divine healing that took place. Why? It's because he did not only get water baptized, he didn't get spirit baptized, he got fire baptized in the wilderness, and the preparation of the wilderness caused him to have not only the authority of God, but the power of God to demonstrate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's what's missing in the body of Christ. You need to stay in the wilderness, be tested in the wilderness, be approved in the wilderness. Why? So that you come out of your wilderness with the authority and the power of the Spirit to demonstrate a gospel of grace and of love and power that will get the devil's attention and people's attention too. Amen? The problem with the church of Jesus Christ is that we've been going fishing for years without any bait. Preaching the gospel without signs following is just like that. We put our wet reel out, we got no bait. But I'm telling you what, the worm's on the hook. When you place yourself in that wilderness, in that crucible of affliction, let him try you, let him test you, let him approve you, so that when you come out, you're coming out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Paul said, I didn't come to you with words of wisdom of men. My preaching is contemptible. He said, I'm not a very good preacher. But I came to you in the demonstration and the power of the Spirit so that your faith was not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That is what we need. And there's a price to pay for the power. But America doesn't want that. They want to give you a, a latte. They want to tell you what you want to hear so they can fill a church that basically tells you nothing. Amen? It's a mile wide but an inch deep. I don't know about you, but everything that we receive from God, we're responsible for. Amen? Doesn't mean if it, it doesn't matter if it's not popular. Amen? Well, people aren't into this. They're not into that. But we're responsible to preach the full gospel with signs following. Amen? And at the end of the day, we're coming to a place in America and throughout the world that people are not looking for Coca-Cola. They're looking for the real thing, Jesus Christ. They're not looking for religion. They're looking for a reality. And the reality is in a relationship with the all-powerful, omnipotent God. Amen? And we need to be in his face long enough to be transformed from glory to glory to not only have the wisdom of God, but the power of God. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to talk a little bit. I'm going to take a little rabbit trail. It actually is a programmed, planned rabbit trail. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about the aspects of God's wilderness tests. Amen? So how does God test us in the wilderness? 
Psalm 105 gives us an answer. Verse 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph. Say it with me, Joseph. Who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Listen now, verse 19. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. The word of the Lord is the promise from the Lord, the prophecy from the Lord, and that will test you in the wilderness. You see, Joseph was tested in the pit and prison of betrayal before he was promoted to a place of power in the palace. Amen? I'm sure Joseph was wondering, are my dreams really from God when he's in that prison cell? Has God really called me to greatness? And so in the wilderness, the word of the Lord will test us. So what does God test in us? In the wilderness. First Peter chapter 1 gives us an answer. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been tried and grieved by various trials. Why? That the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what is God testing in the wilderness? He is testing the genuineness or the authenticity of your faith. Your faith is under trial. Isaiah 48, verse 10 says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. So what is this testing of our faith? What does it produce? James has an answer. James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, hallelujah, praise the Lord, another trial, another temptation, hallelujah. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. What does it produce? What does it produce? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You see, God tests our faith in the wilderness, and when we pass our test of faith, the patience that is produced empowers us to inherit the promises of God. <laughs> Hebrews 6, 6, verse 12. Do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How many of you want to inherit the promises? The only way to do that is to go through the fire so that the genuineness of your faith is proven, patience is produced, and you inherit the promises of God. Amen? All right, number three. What else does God test in us in the wilderness? 
Deuteronomy 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 2. You shall remember the Lord your God who led you all the way 40 years into the wilderness. Why? To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart. How many know God already knows what's in your heart? The whole idea is you need to know what's in your heart. And guess what? It ain't good. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God wants you to know it. Amen? What does deceitful mean? It means it's tricky. Your heart will lie to you about things that are there that you don't see are there, but they're there. Amen? <laughs> and so those who pass through the wilderness furnace of affliction, where our heart motives are tested, they are revealed and they are purged. What tests your motives? Once again, the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And, listen now, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen? The Word of God will discern, if you will embrace it, it will discern, it will divide, it will show you the intentions of your heart. So the Word of God not only tests our faith, but also tests, discerns, and reveals the thought intentions and motivations of our heart. Not talking about our blood pump, it's talking about your spirit man down here. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching the innermost parts of the belly. Hallelujah. All right. Did you enjoy that rabbit trail? Yeah. We're going to get back on track. All right. God's purposes in the wilderness. Number one, just to review, to prepare you, not punish you. To humble you, not humiliate you. To test you, not tempt you. Number four. To chasten you, not chastise you. You see, chasten means to discipline, purify, or refine, whereas chastise means to criticize, condemn, or punish. God's not out to criticize you or punish you, but he is to, wants to discipline and purify us and refine us. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons? How many know you need to be a son or a daughter of God? If your identity is anything but that, you're in trouble. Amen? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. The what? The chastening of the Lord. Nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? 
But if you are without chastening, of which you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So if you are not chastened or disciplined by the Lord, then you're not his. You're illegitimate. You're a bastard. Nobody wants to be a bastard child. Amen. We want to be sons, legitimate sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen. Lord, bring it on. Bring the scourging. Bring the discipline. Bring the rebuke. Amen. That needs to be our hard attitude. For our human fathers, indeed, for a few days, chastened us as they seemed best to them. But he who our father, for our prophet. Why does he chasten us? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Say with me, holiness. Now, no chastening seemed to be joyful for the present, but painful. How many know those stripes, those whippings? Doesn't feel so good, but it drives out rebellion. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you different. It's not pleasant, but painful. But afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So the word chasten in this passage of Scripture is used seven times. Seven times. And if we will receive the chastening of the Lord in our wilderness season, it will produce holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, and it will produce righteousness, which is the product of those who are sons and daughters of the kingdom. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. So in your wilderness season... The Lord wants to prepare you, not punish you, humble you, not humiliate you, test you, not tempt you, chasten you, not chastise you. And number five, he desires to enlighten you, not isolate you. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is coming up from this wilderness, leaning on her beloved? See, the wilderness season is supposed to draw you nearer to the Lord, not further from the Lord. Amen. When you're going through the wilderness, that's when you cling to Jesus. That's when you draw near to Jesus. Amen. Our wilderness season should draw us closer to the Lord and bring us into the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of Him. Remember Paul prayed that prayer out of Ephesians chapter 1, that the Father of glory would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom, and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding enlightened. Say with me, enlightened. He wants to enlighten you regarding who he is. It is in the wilderness that you get to know God more than any other time. So you need to treasure your time in the wilderness. Because in the wilderness is when you draw near to him, is when you get to know him. Amen. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near unto you. I equate it to a chess game. If you've got the white pieces, you move first. And the Lord says, it's your move. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. It's your move. Amen. Amen.
hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God wants to humble you in the wilderness so he can lift you up, so he can promote you. Amen? You see, God revealed himself to Joseph in Pharaoh's dungeon. He revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. Where? On the backside of the desert. He revealed himself to David in the wilderness as he shepherded sheep. He revealed himself to John the Baptist in the wilderness. He revealed himself to John the Apostle on the deserted island of Patmos. Speaking of John the Baptist, Luke chapter 3, verse 2. The word of the Lord came to John, the son of Zacharias, where? In the wilderness. It is in the wilderness of testing that you get to know God and you hear the voice of God. Amen? His purpose for you in the wilderness is not to isolate you, but instead enlighten you regarding his words, his works, and his ways. Isolation is not a good thing. While you're in the wilderness, you're there for a season to be alone with him. You need to get that. Well, I'm all alone. Well, he sticks closer than a brother. In fact, God himself lives inside you. Why don't you get to know him? He's right here. <laughs> I don't have any friends. What about right here? When you got born again, God himself, the Holy Ghost, not only rebirthed your spirit, but he came to communicate with you. In fact, there's three parts. Everybody talks about the three parts of your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. But nobody ever talks about the three parts of your spirit. Your conscience, your intuition, and your communion. Your communion is the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You're not by yourself. you got God living inside you. Have a conversation, will you? <laughs> Amen? It's not good to isolate. Well, you're not isolated. He's, he's there. He said, he will not only be with you, he'll be in you, the Bible says. Amen? This is what it says about isolation, Proverbs 18.1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. So God puts you in the wilderness so that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, where does he live? Right here, guys. It's one of the seven spirits of God, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, actually the spirit of understanding, the spirit of no, seven spirits of God, spirit of the Lord. You should know this by now. It's about every service I'm talking about the seven spirits of God. I'll probably write a booklet on it. That's going to be one of them. Anyway, spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, spirit of understanding, spirit of knowledge, spirit of the fear of the Lord. So the spirit of wisdom, these are all attributes of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's inside you. May grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Get to know him. The eyes of your understanding, your heart, literally means the eyes of your spirit, being enlightened, that you would know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and the exceeding greatness of his power toward those who believe. Amen? 
He wants to reveal his purpose, his provision, and his power to you. Amen? Amen? All right. Now comes the candy. If you guys are bored, you're not going to be bored now. Okay? It's going to go real quick, but it's going to be real tasty. Real good. Amen? So once we remove the barriers that have kept us from entering our promised land of plenty, we must recover the blueprint. Say with me, recover the blueprint of our heavenly high calling and divine purpose that could have been forgotten or lost altogether in the wilderness. Amen? Calling what calling? I'm out here in the desert by myself. So there are certain steps that are necessary to take to recover our divine heavenly blueprint as we enter into our new season of plenty and victory. You want to know what they are, or should I close it up right now? There's only four of them, only four. Anybody hungry who wants more? Come on. All right. All right, I'll oblige. All right. Recovering your blueprint, number one, allow the Lord to heal your heart. You see, extended wilderness seasons often causes the hope of a dream to be deferred, which can sicken our hearts. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Amen? So God wants to pour in the oil and the wine of healing into your soul, into your emotions. You've had a hard time in the wilderness, and God wants to pour in the oil and the wine in those wounds of betrayal, abandonment, bankruptcy, poverty, and all the tough times that you've been through. God wants to heal your heart. You need to spend time with him. Let him heal your heart because he's getting you ready for the promised land. He's getting you ready for the battle. Amen. Number one, allow the Lord to heal your heart. Number two, dream again. Psalm 126. The Lord gave me this about a week and a half ago. Psalm 126, verse 1. The whole, I'm just going to read the whole, well, most of, the, most of this. Psalm. When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, was he bringing us out of, he's bringing us out of captivity. He's bringing us out of the wilderness. We were like those who dream. Amen. It's time to dream again. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What is he saying? He's going to bring his sheaves. He's going to bring abundance. He's going to bring the produce. He's going to bring the land. He's going to bring the oil. He's going to bring the new wine. He's going to bring everything with him. Amen? Why? Because we're coming out of captivity. We're coming out of our wilderness. We are dreaming again. We are resurrecting old dreams, and God is imprinting them on the tablets of our hearts. We allow the Lord to heal our heart. 
we begin to dream again, you'll begin to find in this next season, you're going to have more night season dreams. God's going to begin to resurrect old things. He's going to remind you of promises he's made. It could be 10, 20, 30 years ago. He's going to remind you of things. How many know that God, when God makes a promise, he keeps his promises? Amen? But we have to lay hold upon him. You can't let him go. So he's going to cause you to dream again. Amen. Number three, rewrite the vision. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. You can write it on a tablet or you can write it on the tablets. Engrave it on the tablets of your heart. This is where it needs to be. Because what you believe in your heart is what will come to pass. For as a man thinketh not in his mind, as a man thinketh in his heart, in his spirit, so is he. Amen? God wants to take that which was written in heaven before time began. In your book they all were written, the days you had fashioned for me, when yet there was none of them. Amen? He saved you. He called you with a holy calling, not according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus, not before Abraham, not before Adam, not before Jesus, but before time began. He saw you before time again, and he wrote a book with every day of your life written in it, the perfect plan of heaven. We need to ask for the scrolls of heaven. And I don't care how far back you are, what you've forgotten, what you missed, God is redeeming the time. He is catching you up into your promise, into your destiny. He will not let go of you. You just don't need to let go of him. Amen. Hallelujah. Write the vision. Engrave it on the tablets of your heart. How do you do that? Through meditation and confession. You know, the devil's stolen the word meditation. Oh, meditation. No. That's the secret to getting it down here. Look at all the scriptures, and I meditate upon your words in the night season. It talks about meditating on, this is what gets it down in your heart. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So you need to put the promise in your mouth. You begin to speak it. You begin to meditate it, and you begin to act like it. Don't act like a wilderness wanderer. Walk like a king. Walk as a warrior. Walk as a champion. Amen? Not only speak it, meditate, begin to act like it. I'm a king and I'm a priest unto my God. Hallelujah. Allow the Lord to heal your heart. Dream again. Rewrite the vision. Number four, run with the vision. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3. Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run. Say with me, run. Who reads it? For the vision is yet for the appointed time. But it will, in the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Guess what, church? News flash. It's the appointed time. The time is now. Everybody stand. Come on. The time is now. All lights are green. Green means go. Pedal to the metal. Come on. It's time to run with 
the vision. The appointed time is now. No more delays. No more denials. It's time to enter into your promised land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. If we could have the worship team come, let's begin to worship the Lord. Begin to pray in the Spirit with me. Hallelujah. We're going to make some declarations before we head out of here today. Hallelujah. Begin to pray in the Spirit with me. Come on. Hallelujah. I want you to make this declaration with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming out of my seven years in the wilderness. I'm naming the baby. I'm coming out and I'm coming in, into my promise. I know that you have prepared me, have humbled me, have tested me have chastened me, have enlightened me, and prepared me for the promised land. Thank you, God, for exalting me, promoting me in this new season. And I now resolve to recover my blueprint in heaven. Lord, heal my heart of all disappointment all betrayal as I leave this wilderness. I desire to dream again. Rewrite your vision. Engrave it on the tablets of my heart. And I will run to it. As you press toward the mark, I press towards it for your high calling in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Shout unto God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Woo! Woo! I want our ministry team, come on up, ministry team, up to the front. I'm getting you out early today. Amen. I wanted to tell a really quick Super Bowl story. Am I still on? Really quick, come on up, ministry. Come on, quick, quick, quick. If you need prayer, you need prayer for healing, you need a word of the Lord, you need a spirit of counsel, you need counsel, our ministry team is here to pray for you. I want to tell you a really quick Super Bowl story. 1979, I was living in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and that year was known as the City of Champions. The reason being is that the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series, and that same year, the Pittsburgh Steelers won the Super Bowl, 1979. I was living in that. So anyway, my mom decides that she is going to bake a cake, a Super Bowl cake. It was a chocolate cake. It's all chocolate. And when we went to eat it, we saw that she spelled Super Bowl, Super Bowl, B-O-W-E-L. So it wasn't a super bowl cake, it was a super bowel. 
and the cake being chocolate, we lost our appetite. End of story. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless your people today. I thank you, Lord, that they are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, blessed in the city and blessed in the field. I thank you, Lord, that they are ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, epistles read of all men, vessels of honor, fit for the master's use. I thank you, Lord, that they're coming out of the wilderness and they're going into their promised land. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, that they don't come out with intimidation. They come out with power. They come out with boldness. For the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold like a lion. So we're going to roar in this church. You may have come in as a lamb, but you're going out as a lion. On the count of three, we're going to roar in this church. Ready, church? One, two, three. God bless you. We'll see you for Awakening House. The Super Bowl.